Well, welcome to week two of Dealing with Difficult People. Dealing with Difficult People. My name is Alex Velarde. I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint Fellowship Church. And um, if you are here, whether you're here in person or following us online, I want to welcome you. We are thrilled um, to have you. For those of you following us on Facebook or our YouTube channel or maybe even um, our podcast, I want you to know that we are thrilled um, to have you join us as we study God's Word. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Next week, we're going to talk about dealing with manipulative people, controlling people. Have you ever dealt with somebody that tries to manipulate you? I know I have. Uh, have you ever dealt with someone that tries to control you, you know? And I, like we all like a little bit of control, okay? But I'm not talking about just a little bit. I'm talking about people that are manipulators. You just know that. And uh, they love to control you. They love to, love to control others. So that's next week. I hope that you can join us as well. Today we're going to talk about overly needy people. Overly needy people. Now, I want to be crystal clear. I want to, as we begin, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page, okay? As Jesus followers, we are called to help people in need, okay? We are called, we should have a heart for those people who are in need. We should have a heart for the poor. We should have a heart for the outcast. We should see every resource that we have as an opportunity as a tool to help those in need, okay? So like, like the things that God provides for us, the money that he allows you to have, the, the things that you're able to buy, you should see those as a, as a tool, as a resource to do good in this world. And so um, we are called to help those in need. God calls us, he empowers us to be generous with those in need. Now to me, it's amazing and it's very common that those people who are in real need often won't say anything. People who are in real need, often they're too embarrassed to say anything, and so they'll keep to themselves. And so as Jesus followers, we should make it easy on them, and we should, it should be an honor to help people who are in need. Now today, we're not talking about those, okay? I'm actually, we're, today we're going to be talking about those who are overly needy. Go ahead and say that with me. Say the words, overly needy. So we're talking about the what? Overly needy. Overly needy. These are the people that you try to help. You want to help them, but they don't seem to help themselves. Have you ever met one? Or, or many more than one? Like you try to help them, you try to love them, but it just doesn't seem to go anywhere. You know, and it's like, like uh, there was a family that we tried to help last year. And there were, like we, and I'm not going to give you a number, but it was hundreds of dollars. We tried to help them, tried to love on them, never got a thank you card, never got a thanks. And it just seemed like they were just making one bad decision after the next. And, and it, it gets to a point where you feel like, okay, enough is enough. I, I, you know, I've done everything that I can. Overly needy people, in fact, I, I, I call them uh, emotional vampires. That's, a, that's the title of the message. Emotional vampires. They suck the life out of you. And it's kind of like this. Imagine that this is um, your, this glass right here represents your life. And, and just picture that there is some liquid here. Let's just say that there is water, okay? I didn't want to make a mess out of it, so I did, did not fill it up. In life, one of the challenges that you and I have is making sure that we live fulfilled lives. Making sure that 
what we because you have the stress of life you have things and you know if you're like me man just life sometimes gets a little bit hectic and you can you can run dry right and so one of the things that you and i struggle with that we wrestle with is making sure that that we have making sure that 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 we that we live fulfilled lives making sure that we're not running on empty because if you're not careful you can overwork yourself you know taking care of the kids a lot of good things you know you you're always behind them and you're always giving always doing this always doing that always loving people and if you're not careful you can go you can get to a place where you're like ah you know i'm i am i am exhausted i can't go on anymore and so one of the things that you and I have to learn to do is to do things in life that will fill us up. I asked my wife that the other day. I was like, is this thing that you're getting ready to do, is it going to, because it's, it's optional, you don't have to do it, is it going to fill you up or is this going to drain you a little bit? Okay, so in life, that may be a vacation, that may be taking your Sabbath day, that we talked about that. that, that may be going out to eat, it may be exercise, it could be a thousand things, right? Now the challenge is when you get an overly needy people in your life, what do they do? They suck the life out of you. Have you ever had to deal with an overly needy person i know that i have okay now we can handle one right we could potentially handle maybe two have you ever had two overly needy people in your life raise your hand i like participation okay you've had more than one have you ever had three overly needy people in your life Okay, we have some, some here that say, yes, I've had more than three. Listen, when you have more than three or four people that are overly needed, they're always sucking the life out of you, guess what's going to be even harder to do in your life? To fill it back up. And so today, what I want to do is I want to give you some ideas on how to deal, not just with regular, real people in need, but overly needy people. Let me kind of define them so that we're all on the same page so you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, a lot of times they come in the, they're, they're very, they're highly insecure. So you have a conversation with them, spend a, an hour with them, which is for you, man, you're, you're busy, you know, like you gave an hour of your schedule. You just saw them 25 minutes ago. They texted you, but you haven't had a chance to reply back. And they're texting you back and they're saying, are we okay? Did I do something wrong? Did I, did I offend you? And I'm like, no, 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 we're good. We just talked for a whole hour. We're fine. You know, and, they're, they're, and essentially what, what's happening, I found out that, that these people, what they want is your attention. They want your time. So we're talking about highly insecure people, highly overly insecure, okay? We're talking about drama kings and drama queens. Have you ever had to deal with a drama king? Making sure I... You know, speak to both ends of the spectrum. A drama queen, a drama king, you know, they take, what do they do? They take little things, and what do they do? <laughs> Blow it out of proportion. It was nothing. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, it's like <laughs> war. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about financial remoras. You know what a remora is? Does anybody know what a remora is? I see them every time. I love to scuba dive. Anytime I go scuba diving, I see them. Does anybody know what a remora is? I think I have a picture. A remora is a fish that has sort of a, like, a, like a suction cup. Uh, can we show that picture if we have it? It's, a, uh, it's, a, it's got a, a cup. Do we have the picture? 
We don't have it? Okay. So we have this, the, the, the remora has this suction cup, okay? And basically what they do is they attach themselves to larger animals. Uh, it could be a shark. The last one I saw was a sea turtle. They literally, they just suck themselves to the larger animal. And what they do is they, they attach themselves to the host and it provides a steady flow of food, transportation, protection, if they're attaching themselves to a shark, for example, they're a smaller animal. One, one time I was going uh, scuba diving and I had one that wanted to attach themselves to me. And I like, literally had to punch it in the face because it was like, and, you know, I was going down, I was learning to scuba dive and it's, you know, it's pretty, you know, you get, you're a little bit ner- nervous and you're breathing hard and, you know, and so I'm going down 60, 70 feet and this thing is trying to, trying to attach himself to me and I'm like, I, at first I thought it was a shark, <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, <laughs> this thing is trying to eat me, you know, and so a financial remora is somebody that, that's, and I don't know why, but they're a free rider. They're always trying to get money from you. They're, it may be due to lack of their maturity. It may be that they, they make, they've made poor financial decisions. It may be bad habits. It may be that they're spending money on, on alcohol or in drugs. Um, it may be that it's laziness, um, mediocre work ethic. It could be a number of things. But what's interesting is that they, they come asking you for money, but they drive a nicer car than you. Right? And, and then you ask them questions, and it's usually everybody else, like let's say they, they lost their job or they're in between jobs or whatever, and you ask them questions, and it's always somebody else's fault. You know? Man, I don't like, they, they don't value me, or the hours that they give me, they're not good. You know? Or they, you know, they, they, they said they're taking advantage of me, and so it's always somebody else's fault. And so those are the people that I'm talking about, okay? Are we clear? Overly needy people. Now, here's where the tension lies. Here's where the tension lies. As a pastor, I want to help people. I want to have a heart of compassion, okay? But I don't want to do it so much that it's going to enable people to make the wrong behavior, right? I want to have a soft heart, but I don't want them to ultimately, whoever I'm helping, to become dependent on that one thing that I'm offering them. Often what I find is overly needy people, you give them something and they're not appreciative. In fact, they demand. It's almost like they're entitled. They demand and, and at times you feel a little bit guilty. It's like, man, I've done this and I've done that and I've done this. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, it you, it's like, Lord, have I done enough? Am I, is it me? Is it my heart? And so they'll make you feel a little bit guilty. Well, Jesus dealt with this tension of wanting to help, but not, there it is. Okay, we got it. That's a, that's a, if we can, do we have the other one or is that the only one we have? Uh, that is a remora. There you go. You see that, that they have that on, on their, and I think they can actually do it on both ends. They can actually attach themselves on top of the larger marine animal or under it. They're, um, that's, a, that's a great picture. So that's a financial remora. So how do we deal, how do we deal with overly needy people? How do we deal with that tension? Jesus dealt with it, right? He came to this earth. I mean, he's the Savior, right? Well, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. There's a, about four different passages of Scripture I'm going to share with you today. So we're going we're gonna to be all over, but we're going to start with Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, Jesus, 
traveled through all the towns and villages of that area. So all over Israel he's traveling, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. What did Jesus do? He traveled and what else? He healed people. Where? All over the, all over the place. Was there, was there a particular kind of illness or disease that he would not heal? Nope. Man, he healed everybody. People who were blind, he would go after them. People who were lame, he would go after them. Uh, you know, people who had leprosy, he would heal them as well. Every single kind, the Bible says. Every kind of disease and illness. But when he saw the multitudes, he was, what's the next word? Help me out, church. He was what? Do we have it? But when he saw the multitudes, he was what? Moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. That phrase, he was moved with compassion for them. In the Greek, is just one word. That whole sentence, just one word. It is the strongest word that you can find in the New Testament in the Greek for the word compassion. Literally, it, mean, it means from within, from your intestines. That's a kind of compassion, like from within your bowels. Like when, when, when Jesus sees the multitudes, it's not like, oh man, I'm sorry, you know, I feel bad for them. No, no, no. Like he felt like this thing that like from within, like he felt sorry for them. And he had this, this intense feeling for the people that he was looking at. Most powerful, most intense, internal compassion were in all of the, the language. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. He says to his disciples, pray, pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. One of the things that we're going to do just to put a shameless plug, uh, February 14th, we begin to talk, we begin our Share the Love initiative. What is Share the Love? If you're new to our church, we, we love on people. Whoever, I think this Share the Love this year, we're going we're gonna to go after people who are in the medical field because, man, when I had COVID and I had to see what they had to go through, my heart broke for those, some of those nurses and some of those people. And so we're going to go into our community and we're going to love on those, on those people. That's going to be the, the main. There's other things that we're doing and we've asked you for feedback and you've given us great feedback. But we want to love on people. And so Jesus is looking at the crowds and he's saying, man, my heart breaks for them. We got to do something. And he tells his disciples, pray, pray, pray. Two thoughts. As we talk about the tension, first one is this. It's on the screen. Jesus cared more than anyone else who's ever lived about people, okay? There's nobody that you'll find on planet Earth that has ever or will ever care more about other human beings and Jesus Christ. Would you agree? He cared. He left his heavenly throne, right? Came as a man. That, that transition alone, pro, that must have been brutal, right? From heaven to earth, okay? And then not only does he become a man, which that would have been pretty humiliating, but he becomes a what? A slave. So the lowest of the lowest. And not only the Bible says Philippians, right? Not only does he become a slave, but he becomes obedient to what? Unto death. The death on a cross. So nobody 
care more than Jesus. Here's the second thought. But Jesus did not heal everyone. He did not grant every request. Have you ever thought about that? He didn't touch everyone. He did not heal everyone. He did not answer every single request. And so that is a tension that we deal with. It's a tension that you will deal with when, when, you, when you have to, when you encounter somebody that's overly needy, somebody that's, that's asking you for money or is asking you for resources, and you feel like, man, God has blessed us beyond all measure. But, but then you have this person here, and you see their lifestyle, and you see what they're doing, and it's like, okay, Lord, how do I, how do I deal with the tension? Well, <laughs> I'm going to give you three ideas, okay, today from Scripture. But what I can do for you is I can't give you a clear, cut and dry answer as to like what you need to do every time you encounter somebody who's overly needed. Okay, I can't do that because sometimes you have, to, you have to deal with each individual. You have to customize it like the situation. You have to leave enough room for the Holy Spirit to speak to you and for you to, God sometimes uses those people for you to, okay, Lord, what are you telling me? So I can't tell you, hey, I'm going to give you a three-point outline and a poem, and this is what you do, and I'm going to send you home, and every time you deal with an overly needy person, you're going to know exactly what to do. Can't do that for you today, because this is a tension that, as Jesus followers, we deal with. But what I want to do is I want to give you three ideas, okay, from Scripture about what you could do. That Hopefully, they'll, they'll give you a little bit of a guideline, all right? So the first one is from um, Acts chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John had to deal with this same tension. It says this. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. It's what many of you are doing today, right? You got ready to go to church. That's what they're doing. As they approached the temple, a layman from birth was being carried in. Imagine that. Picture that. Okay? So a crippled man from birth, he's literally, they're taking him, and they're putting him right there by the doors. Look at the next verse, verse 2. or Yeah, second part of verse 2. Each day he was put beside Temple Gate, the one called Beautiful Gate, so that he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some what? For some money. Has anybody ever asked you for money? Yes. All right. Now imagine if that's happening as you're coming into church. The tension just builds up even greater, right? Because you're like, oh, no, I just feel guilty. And that, that's one of the things that I deal with. When people come to LifePoint... Uh, oh, my heart breaks. I want to help them. But then, then I don't know, Lord, is this, is this something that I should do? Or is this something that I shouldn't do? And it's not that I, that I don't want to help. or It's not that I don't want to use the church's resources to love people. No, it's not that. It's just that I just don't know. Is the money going to be used wisely? Is it, am I going to enable them or am I going to hurt them? You know? And so last year, you, you heard it multiple times. We used... We, we used I think it was like 300, 360% of our benevolence budget because COVID hit and there were families in need. There were families that needed groceries. Pastor Nicholas went and bought groceries for many of those. I personally bought Walmart gift cards and loved on people because it was a real legitimate need and I felt like, man, we need to do above and beyond. But it's hard when it's, when you mix your Christianity and your walk with Jesus 
with real life. It's not always as easy as it, it, it is. So look in verse, verse 4, right? Is that where we are? Verse 4, yeah. Peter and John looked at him intently. This guy's asking for money. They're going into church. He's going to preach. They're going to share. You know, this is kind of awkward. And Peter says, look at us. I love that because he's making eye contact. That's a big deal. The layman looked at them eagerly expecting some what? Some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the layman by the right hand and helped him up. This is a classic example of not giving a hand out, but giving a hand up. It says, as they did this, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. So here's the first idea I'm going to share with you. Offer, when you're dealing with an overly needy person, offer what they need, not necessarily what they want. You hear me? Offer what they need. Don't feel the pressure to give them what they want. So, for example, they may say, I want to spend more time, I want you to spend more time with me. That's what they are saying. What they may need is something different. Maybe they need to develop some new friendships. They, they may say, man, I, w- I want you to help me with my $500, uh, my monthly payment for the car, $500 every month. I need you to help me with this because I don't have the money or whatever, however, you know. Well, that's what they want. That may not be what they need. Maybe what they need, to, need it, what they really need is to get on a budget and, and buy a cheaper car, maybe a $25,000, $3,000 car or whatever, instead of having a $25,000 debt, maybe you can pay cash for a cheaper car that can get you around. And so they may say that they need something from you, but what you're going to do is you're going to offer what? What they want or what they need? What they need. And sometimes you know better. Okay? They may say, I want you to make me feel special. You're the only person that makes me feel special. And what they really need, that's what they want, but what they really need is to find their identity in Christ. And what they really need is to find out who they are. They need to discover who they are in Christ. Now, this, this whole message, I'm going to give you a couple of side notes, okay? So it's sort of like a sub-point somewhere hidden, all right, that I'm going to give you. Here's the first side note that I want to give you. Pay attention to their actions as much as their words, okay? So they're going to, because sometimes they'll say one thing, but their words don't line up with their actions. So just as a little side note, pay attention to their actions. Because they, they may say, I can't get a job. But their actions may actually say, you haven't been looking, <laughs> you know. They may say, nobody's hiring me. But really their actions say something else. There's like three or four Jobs. I mean, just drove by them. There's three restaurants you could get hired at any point. They may, they may, their actions are saying, you know what, that job is beneath me. But what they need, what they really need is they need discipline and they, they need to learn to say, you know what, I better, I better make a little bit less, you know, on that, with that job while I get something else than not, than just stay at home for months at a time and not make anything. Does that make sense? So, so watch their words. That's important, but do not neglect to make sure that you understand their actions. Because sometimes we get lazy. Sometimes we, we, our hearts, we have huge hearts. We want to give. doesn't matter. We'll write the check. That's easy for a lot of us if God's blessed you. But what I encourage you, if you really want to help somebody who's in need, overly needy, pay attention to what they're doing. So that's, that's 
first side note. Okay, so let's, re- let's review. Number one, first point, we're going to offer what they need, not what they want. Fantastic. You guys are doing great. Number two, we're going to set healthy boundaries. And I'll, I'll get this one. I'm not, I didn't put it on the screen, but um, just as a reference, you can go to it and maybe read it later. Mark chapter 1, verse 29 through 37. Um, talks a lot about this, but set healthy boundaries for your um, for your own mental health, emotional, spiritual health. You've got to have clear boundaries. Okay, this is going to help you. So in in Mark chapter one, basically you have Jesus um, going to. He's leaving the synagogue, and they come to him and they say that Peter's mother-in-law she's sick. And so Jesus goes, runs through their house, and she is sick. He heals her. She feels good. And then people find out that he's there. And so people come out of the woodworks to, you know, Jesus is in town. He just healed Peter's mother-in-law. Like, you know, and so the Bible says, it says that that even in after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. And so Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases. He cast many demons. So do you get the picture? So, so Jesus is going after the one. He's not neglecting the one. But now the crowd comes. Everybody from town shows, I, I shows up. I don't know if we're talking hundreds. I don't know if we're talking thousands. But from, from the idea, from the picture that Mark is saying, it's like a lot of people. He's healing people. He's teaching them. He's loving on them. He has compassion for them. Now, what I love is the very next verse. I think it's verse 37. Mark chapter 1, verse 37. I love this, this verse. Or one of the last verses. Um, there you go. This is it. This is it. Look, look, at, look at it. It says, the whole town gathered, Jesus. Okay, it says, before daybreak. Can we, go, can we back up a little bit? If we have. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. This is huge. You know what Jesus is doing? He's setting boundaries. Now, Jesus is the savior of the world, right? He's omnipotent. Like he doesn't, that means that he's all powerful. He doesn't need to rest. He's Jesus, right? He's 100% God. He's 100% man. But like, so, so why, is he, why is he taking a break? Why is he getting away from the crowd? It's the same reason why he got baptized. It's the same reason why he did a lot of things as an example for you and for me. And so I love that the, the whole town comes out, and the very next morning, he says, you know what? I'm going to take some time aside. So he cares for the crowd, but he doesn't neglect the outcast. He doesn't neglect the individual. And, and he goes and takes some time for himself. What he's doing is he's, he's filling up his cup. Now, let me ask you, do you think that do you think that there were still people looking for him do you think that there were still people who needed him do you think that there were people who had not been healed just yet absolutely absolutely and that's what the last verse there says later Simon and the others went to find him what they found him they said once they found him they said everybody is looking 
for you. But he knows how to set healthy boundaries. When you fly, um, they always say one thing. You know, tell you about the oxygen mask. They're going to come down. But they always make this statement. They say, if you have small children, what do they say? Put on the mask yourself and then, and then take care of them. Which is sort of counterintuitive. Because as a parent, if we're at a certain altitude and the oxygen masks are coming down, I can hold my breath for a little bit, right? I'm an adult. I can handle that. You know, but my kid, my three-year-old, my two-year-old, like I want them. I'm, they're vulnerable. And yet, every airline that I've ever flown, <laughs> they've always said the same thing. If you have a small child with you, secure your mask before assisting them. Why is that? Because they know that you need to make sure that you have oxygen so that you can help others. So what are some boundaries? What are we talking about? So Jesus said some healthy boundaries. What are we talking about? I'm talking about time boundaries. Don't have, you know, some of us have such big hearts that we allow people to run over our schedules. And they'll call you at 1030. They'll call you at 11 o'clock. And you pick up the phone. Listen, so one of the most spiritual things you can do in your life is to set some boundaries and say, listen, I'll be available from this time to this time. Now, that sounds a little bit harsh. I get it, okay? But for your own emotional and mental health and spiritual health, there's times when you have to say, you know what? I'm going to set this boundary, okay? Because you're a human being too. You're not a machine. So time boundaries. Uh, here's another one. Uh, resource boundaries, resource boundaries so say to them hey this time i'm gonna help you okay i'm gonna do this much or even even if you don't say it in your mind talk to your spouse about it this is how much we're gonna do and then you communicate it this is what i can do okay but it's gonna help you it's gonna you're gonna you're gonna be a much healthier person and you're really gonna help them here's the second side note okay write this down i think this is a great statement one of our elders actually uh, I learned this from from him grace is given not demanded I want you to think about that for a moment grace is something that you can give to other individuals but it's not something that should ever be demanded by other people does that make sense it's one thing for me to want to love on someone and to give them my time and to give them some of my resources it's a totally different ball game when they feel entitled when they begin to to demand something from you the minute somebody in your life in your life begins to demand something from you i want to encourage you be cautious because you may be thinking that you're doing good but you're actually enabling the wrong behavior does that make sense so grace is given, it's not demanded. People should not expect that from you. Okay, so number one, offer what they need, not what they want. Number two, set healthy boundaries. The last one, we're done. This one, this idea is from Galatians. Galatians chapter th- 6, verse 7. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. I think these verses will be on the screen. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says this. Uh, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God you will always reap what you sow we've 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 heard that before right reap what you what help me out reap what you so okay so we we get it right what does that what does that mean reap what you sow what does that mean that means that like the consequences of your like there are consequences for your actions every action the good or bad 
okay, has a consequence, okay? Good actions have good consequences. Bad actions have bad consequences. You reap what you sow. Easy teaching. Uh, look in verse, verse 8, 6, 8. Galatians 6, 8. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Okay, makes sense. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Okay, not saying anything that you don't know. So here's the third idea. Allow them to face their consequences. Now that's hard. I don't know about you. That, that if you love someone, like if, you have, if you're talking about a son or a daughter, and they're going down the wrong path, and you love them, I don't care if they're five or they're 50, it's hard when you see your kids going down the wrong path. And you know, and you know, you know better, and you tell them, and they still go down the wrong path, right? Isn't that hard? I love the story in Luke chapter 15. Uh, it's the parable of the prodigal son. Now, I like it for this reason. The son, you don't know the story. You have a father and two sons. One of the sons, the youngest son, says, Dad, I want my inheritance. And the father gives it to him. It's like, thanks, I love you, but I'm, I don't like to live with you. I don't love you that much. And he takes off. And what does he do? He wastes all of the money, right? Like all of the inheritance that the dad worked for, who knows how long for, he just throws it down the drain. But what I, one of the reasons why, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons why I love this story is because we see tremendous wisdom from the father. If you read that whole, that whole story, it seems to me like the father was wealthy, right? Like he had some resources. He had servants and all of that. So, so what we see is the son runs away, and he's in trouble, and he is hungry, and he's eating junk. But what we don't see is what I learned from the passage. One of the things that I learned from the passage. The father has the, the wisdom to not go after the son. Now imagine how difficult that must be. He, you have the resources. He could have sent, he could have sent several servants, and some of these people looking for him and providing for the son but the the father has enough wisdom to allow the consequences of the son to teach him and if you read the passage you know luke chapter 15 if you read the passage you know that it was not until the son faced the consequences of his sin that the bible says he came to his senses right but it wasn't like a it wasn't like he came to his senses out of nothing, right? No, he faced the reality of his actions. And so I know that, you know, it's tough love, right? It's hard. It's hard when you let your kids go and you give them, you give them freedom and then they make the wrong decision. And there are times when you have to look at them and you have to say, listen, 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 listen. The way that you're headed is the wrong way. And I love you, but I have to love you enough that if you go down that path, I'm not going down with you. That's hard to say. It's the consequences of his sin that brought him back to the Father, to the Father's ways. And so, Mom, Dad, sometimes the greatest thing that you can do for your daughter, for your son, is to say, look, I love you, but if you go down this path, you're on your own. 
sometimes what happens is you help them and then they don't learn and they come back and you help them again and they don't learn and they come back and you help them again and it, sometimes more often than not it's, it's a little bit late right and when you stop helping them what do they say oh you don't love me you've never done anything for me and they, they take it to the extreme right here's what you need to know it's kind of the third side note only Jesus saves only Jesus can save and sometimes we have a savior complex as a pastor I want to be there for everybody because I have a shepherd's heart and the hardest thing that I can do sometimes is not do what the easy thing to do is and so you have a child they're dating the wrong person but he loves me you know he, he was just mean that one time he's usually kind and you're like nope he's using you it's like no he's really nice you know and he does this for me and he does that and you can see it miles away you can say like this is not the right kid for you you know and you're like so there's a point where you just if they're of age right you, you have to say and that's where you pray and Lord when do I say this but there's a point where you say you know what you're gonna have to learn the hard way you know, the, it, it may be a roommate, uh, you know, you, you are their, their alarm system. You ever have a roommate like that? Like, the alarm would go, would go off, and you didn't have to get up, but, you know, they, they would not hear the alarm, and you'd have to get off your bunk bed and wake them up. There's a point where you have to say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to be your alarm system anymore. Tomorrow, if you don't wake up, you're late to work. If you lose your job, that's on your own, buddy. If you miss your class, that's on your own. You're on your own. You have somebody who's financially irresponsible. They're charging the credit card. They're constantly throwing money um, into things that don't last. There's a point where you'll have to say, you know what? Um, Mom, Dad, they're about to get my car back. I mean, repossess the car. It's like, well... There's a bike. <laughs> Ride the bike. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to ask you to, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to ask you two questions. Our worship team is going to give it up here on stage. Two questions, simple questions, but I think they're very practical. The first one is this. You know someone who's hurting deeply, who, who's who, somebody in real need. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you know someone right now, and you're with eyes closed, bowed, heads bowed. If you know someone, yep, I see that hand. You know someone who's in real need. Yeah, several of you. Here's what I ask you to pray. Ask God, give me a heart like yours. A heart that is moved with compassion. There are legitimate people who are in need that you need to say, God, break my heart for them. And you, you're going to have to allow, it's a privilege, so you're going to, have the privilege to to help those people because the money that you make and the resources that God has blessed you with listen they're not um, you're only here on this earth for a very short period of time you're not going to take them with you so use those resources for for good so if you know someone who's hurting deeply who's in real need that's the prayer. God, break my heart. Some of you need to pray that because the pendulum swings both ways. And for some of us, our hearts are a little bit hard. 
because we've helped people before and we've seen where it's gotten us. And so some of you right now, you need to pray, God, break my heart. Help me, Lord. Help me to have compassion like you did. Here's a second question. How many of you would say, I know someone who's overly needy. You don't have to raise your hand. I, you raised your hand earlier, so I know you do. For those, here's a challenge. Here's what I ask you to pray. God, give me wisdom. You can pray that right now. Give me wisdom, Lord. I want to minister to them. I want to offer them what they need, not what they want. I want to set healthy boundaries for myself so I can be a healthy individual, spiritually, emotionally, so I'm not yelling. And God, give me the courage to allow them to face their consequences. It's not easy, but God, give me that, give me that courage because you know my heart. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, I'm so thankful that God's word is so practical. I'm thankful that this morning we're not just filling up our brains with more information, but God, we're allowing the power of your word to transform us in very practical ways. God, give us your heart. Help us to deal with the tension that you dealt with. And so God, we know that we're not saviors. God, we know that we can't be can't go saving everybody around rescuing everybody but God may we not go the other direction so far that we just don't care about people and so God help us live in that tension God we surrender our desires our wills to you and we thank you for the scripture that we were reminded of this morning we praise you today we worship you today in Jesus name Amen.